Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 22, Clever Enough to Save the World. This week we're discussing season 2, episode 7 of Doctor Who, The Idiot's Lantern, and season 2, episode 9 of Buffy, What's My Line, part 1. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So we're starting with Doctor Who, which means I get to start. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, well, okay, so it's interesting. I want to start actually with sort of the time period um, that we're dealing with. Um, we don't always make I mean, we always kind of make note of it, but don't always spend a lot of time. But um, significant event, the coronation of Elizabeth. And um, significant in a number of ways. So, one, because, you know, coronations don't happen every day. No. Uh, And especially with Elizabeth, it's been quite a while. So, like, she's, yeah, she's still there. Um, You know, and, and, and that's cool. Yeah, what's that? 60 years ago, she's still going mm. strong. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good for her. Um, longer even than this show has been going. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, yeah, I guess the they o- just this, this year was her Diamond Jubilee, wasn't it? I guess that's the 60-year mark. Um, I, I don't know. That's the celebration of... That must be your 60-year... Uh, it was a big to-do over in England, sure. I think. Sure, sure. And... Um, also significant because it was like the first internationally televised mm-hmm. event. Um, obviously not the first televised event. There was television before that, but, um, not much before it, but yeah. there was, um, but yeah, this was kind of the first big international deal, um, where lots of people all around the world got to s- sort of see it happen mm-hmm. as it unfolded. Yeah. Um, or, or at least shortly after it unfolded. And uh, topically, that that's right where we find the Doctor and Rose coming into things. So, I, I mean, having watched the show, I don't know, and actually having lived in England for a little while, are you, do you have any, like, insight or, or additional information that might help us out here on just sort of the event or the time period itself? Um, and, and culturally speaking, you know, about the time period in England at the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have too much more. I mean, I think I, I think what they're kind of, what jumps out to me is kind of how they're playing with the time period with this theme of progress and change, um, which I think we can talk about in relation to the story and the characters, but just to kind of put the historical period into context you know you've got um this is the the post-war period you know just a couple years after world war ii ended and it's really um a really interesting time of transition and change i think it's kind of coming into the modern world a little bit i think like i think we're transitioning really into what we start to think of as 20th century um And, I mean, anybody who's seen the King's Speech, you know, you know how important George was, King George, to uh, that period. You know, what sort of an inspirational 
figure he was during what was the darkest, you know, time that anyone in living memory could have remembered in, in England. Um, and he really became this sort of, you know, you know, I, I think in England, the monarchy is kind of one of those things that, you know, kind of depends on who you talk to, whether it's something to be celebrated or not. Um, sure. You know, and there's differing opinions on that. But, but occasionally you do get the sense of a monarch who sort of can be a figure of, you know, comfort or inspiration to his, rather than just the figurehead, you know. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I think Churchill was extremely iconic and important, but, you know, but so was George, you know, who, you know, overcame his own personal issues to get up in front of the microphone and, you know, give people strength and hope, you know, that's kind of what he did. So you've got, you know, the the war ending um, and a sort of an old regime sort of passing away and you've got this young, new you know, queen who's sort of being put up on the throne now. So I think... Yeah, how how old was she? Do you know? You know, offhand? I'm not sure. I mean, she's still around, so I'm assuming she had to be pretty young at the time. I would say she would have been in her 20s maybe or something. Um, okay. Or maybe maybe around in her early 20s. I don't know exactly. Um, but definitely... Um, I mean, I think... Yeah, she can't. She can't be very old, I don't think. Um, so, um, so you've got that. I mean, I think that kind of goes with the the coronation and everything, and and they kind of make allusion to that of the new monarch, and it's a young monarch, and um, queens aren't unprecedented, certainly, but it's in it's also a female monarch. So there's this whole kind of it's that's going to be different than it had been before. Um, right, but right. then I yeah, think and there's there definitely is that theme there um, with Rita. Yeah, and, yeah, a little bit of a of a he, hint of feminine, not too radical, but just a hint of it. And then um, I think too, I think it, the period is kind of important. It's interesting that the Doctor and Rose intend to go to 1958. Is it to go see Elvis? They're going to go to the Ed Sullivan it, show. Is it really that interesting at this point that they mean to go to a different year and a different city and they wind up in London? It's that's not interesting, but what I think is interesting, <laughs> what I think is interesting is that they intend to go to 1958, which is really mm -hmm. with Elvis, which is really when rock and roll is in full swing. Yep. So that's the period that they're dressed for and they end up 5 years early. So mm -hmm. not a totally different, they're not radically out of the time period, but just enough that rock and roll isn't really a thing yet. It's going to be. It's going to be very soon. We're just on the cusp of that happening. And I think we maybe even talked about the fact that Tommy is perfectly situated at the age for rock and roll. Like, he's going right. to be... Like, in a couple of years, he's going to be, be like one of the guys. He's 18 years yeah. old when... Um, like, like he'll be like 18 or 20 when like Elvis and Buddy Holly start coming out. He'll be in his early 20s when the Beatles are playing at the Cavern, right? Like he's going to be like at that mm -hmm. prime, which really changed the world, like certainly the Western world. And, you know, I think pretty universally yeah. that yeah. new music, you know, of 
you know, the influence of blues and jazz and all those things and, and pop culture. And then you throw in this element of TV and mass media and globalization. And you kind of see how all these, how, what a kind of powder keg the mid fifties really were. Um, mm. and all you need to do is look at what the sixties were like to see how much of an influence that had. So, um, and then, so I think then that that's all swirling around in the time period. And then they also take these ideas of progress and change and, and put it in with the characters as well. Like we get to see the nuclear family having to, you know, deal with personal change rather than just yeah. global, you know, change. So that's all that I would, I mean, I don't, I certainly don't have any personal insight into what the coronation or the monarchy means, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But I think that's all good. I think um, what you're talking about is good. The, the coronation obviously seems, I, you know, clearly it was a, an important event. Um, just like, I mean, more recently, the the birth of the new, yeah. presumed at some point to be the monarch, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, the heir, yeah. You know, so we, we will... You know, I think we have some context even today for some of that, even people who not only may not have any interest in monarchies, who may even dislike monarchies, it's hard to, you know, dislike the event in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, like, uh, yeah, no, I think that's all good and, and definitely can see in there the themes about progress and change um, and, and the other thing, so you, and you brought up Churchill, the, the one minor bit of research I did was I, I never actually realized that Churchill was prime minister during this period. Obviously I knew he was during most of World War II. I, I don't, I think for the very beginning he wasn't, but, um, came in, um, you know, while it was going. And then like from there on, I, I just sort of had a nebulous idea of, you know, sort of how long he was in his role there. And, and so apparently he was, um, you know, prime minister from about 1940 to 45, um, covering that bulk of the world war two period. But then, um, he came back and became prime minister again in the early fifties. Mm -hmm. Um, which is right when this is happened. like this, the, the coronation happened pretty much smack dab in the middle of his second, uh, term of office. And so, uh, striking because of the doctor's repeated exclamations about this is Churchill's England, not, you know, Stalin's Russia. Yeah. And, and, and it like, that's what prompted me to actually go look that up was just that idea that, um, you know, you are talking about freedom and stuff. And, and of course, then you get Tommy's great reference. And I feel like we could probably just even transition into talking about the Connollys here because, yeah. um, you get Tommy's references to his father. Like, you know, that's what you fought for. Like, and, and, and that's, you know, again, you have the father who's decorated from having been mm -hmm. in the war, yeah. you know, which there's no, there's obviously, there's only one war at that point that anyone can be referring to. Well, you know what I mean? I wondered that. Um, that's not necessarily true. And, and it's interesting because, um, I mean, I think the way Tommy says, you know, you fought so that, you know, for freedom and so that twerps like me can 
do and say what they want. That sounds like a World War II reference, right? And mm -hmm. like all these references to Churchill's England and stuff. I think that's World War II. But the age of the father and the fact that they just say he fought in the world in the war in in Britain, the Great War is World War One. Um, and and given yeah. how old his father is, I wondered if I wondered what war he fought in. I don't know how much it's important, but. I don't know that World War One has the same connotation of pride that World War Two does. World War One seemed more I mean, not that soldiers couldn't have been proud for fighting for their country or not to lessen their sacrifice, but World War One didn't have the kind of feeling of the righteous war that World War Two did, I think. World War One was yeah. more the kind of political mess that everyone got sucked into and then came out shell-shocked and depressed and devastated. Whereas World I, War II feels more like, for especially for Britain, like a point of national pride. Like, we survived that and we overturned the Nazis and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I guess the question is, how, how old do you think the father is? I mean, to me, he looks like he's in his like late forties, maybe fifty years old. So maybe maybe he is too young to have fought in World War Two. He just seemed to or or World War One. He seems too old to have fought in World War Two to me, but Well, except that I'm I'm well we certainly sent over a lot of people from here and Britain was in it for longer than we were. So I'm sure they That's were true. you know, I'm sure they were sort of reaching into That's true. Uh, it could have been but, but, well, on the other hand, ago. if if he was if we if he was old enough to have been very young fighting in World War One, he may have been called into active reserve, you know, active duty again when yeah. World War Two came in. So it's, it's either one's possible, but, uh, but I, I based think, on but I those comments, right. I those, think the implications yeah. was World War Two is where he won his decorations, and, and I think that that is what I'd be. I'd be surprised if that's not what is meant by the lines about, like, this is why you fought. Because that really does sound like World War right, II. Like, right. you fought for the freedom of speech and thought and freedom of the individual. And yeah, that yeah. is a World War II theme. Well, and also I, I would venture to guess just by virtue of the fact that it's newer. And he's so much worried about his reputation, right? The, yeah. Uh, Eddie, the father, is, you know, he's so much more worried about his reputation now. I don't, I just don't get the feeling that people are thinking back to World War One. Yeah. If if that's it's if he did fight removed. in Bo, yeah. like, like, yeah, the the war. And you're right; they do refer to it as the Great War, and even before World War Two, as the war to end all wars, and that you know those types of terminology. Um, but I feel like after World War II, that's what people would be calling yeah. the war. Yeah, and, I think and, you're probably right. Um, so, so maybe, so maybe I did misspeak and say when I said it was the only one you could really be referring to. But I think based on the evidence, that probably you know is the most likely. Yeah. One. Yeah, um, I agree with you. But so yeah, so the Connollys, um, very interesting family dynamic there. Um, <laughs> You don't want to spend a lot of time with them, do you? <laughs> well, not with not with the father still there anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, our Lord and Master is what right. they sort of 
not really jokingly call him yeah. <laughs> like i mean it you, you, you sort of get the sense right in the beginning that he is sort of you know the, he's the family man right he's whatever like the yeah the, like the, they almost, the quintessential they seem i i kind of after i watched it a couple times i noticed the first scene is before they have a tv so mm-hmm. it's almost this now you still get I don't know if you know what Dutch angles are. That's when they lean the camera sideways, like diagonally like that. It gives you this weird sense of like, what? Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. Like disorienting and everything. They still have those bizarre camera angles to kind of give you that hint that something's not right in this family. But other than that, they give you this very picturesque, nostalgic life before TV. So you've got the radio mm-hmm. softly in the background. The dad's wearing his, his medals. Tommy's reading a comic book, the mom's sewing, Grand's sort of knitting, and every and the dad even kind of affectionately like ruffles Tommy's hair and everything. You get this kind of idealized, you know, early nineteen fifties family. But yeah, then which just is ironically hint, what they what they do with TV yeah. in those early years exactly, is is, yeah. is is to give you that you know, the the leave it to be and, and that yeah. sort of uh, yeah. you know, family idealized nuclear family dynamic yeah yeah. yeah. but just Um, that hint of in the way they hold the camera that like this is an oppressive weird something's not quite right um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but and then then as soon as you introduce the tv it all goes to heck (laughs) you know yeah i was gonna say it's not very long before you find out that eddie's a pompous insufferable jackass yeah and um the true colors come out yeah yeah um I, I love when, well, I mean, there's there's several moments to love <laughs> when um, Rose corrects him on the usage of Union Jack versus Union Flag. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also uh, just, you can see, you know, when Eddie's sort of watching what's going on under his roof, you know, and and even says, you know, things to that effect, like, you know, this is my house, you know, queen and country is one thing, but I'll be damned if you know, anything happens in my house that I don't. And then, you know, the the whole exchange there between him and the doctor where he starts, you know, saying, you know, I'm talking, you know, he does the belligerent yeah. interrupt, even though he clearly was done saying what he yeah. had to say. He, and he's just waiting for someone to talk just so he, so can, he can say that, you know, yeah. shout them down again. Um, and the doctor, just, I'm the doctor. not listening, <laughs> you know, like just the, um, and, and even you, going and back that, to and his to, like Eddie's quiver of he actually looks like shaken like mm. nobody's ever oh, yeah. stood up to him that way before. Yeah, well, and it's sort of the classical, you know, which I'm I'm not sure how true this is, but but you're always told like you know all you'd have to do is stand up to a bully once and they'll back down, right. and um, that isn't maybe perhaps the most provable experience or at least right. there doesn't seem to be a lot of people in the real world who want to test that a out slightly but, dangerous experiment um, but yeah you, you know in this case yeah no i think it's well you know and and just before that is is you know where the doctor is like well you know what gender is the queen <laughs> she's a female you're suggesting that the queen does the housework and actually and all that, of that and, that's a mary poppins quote that whole back and forth is stolen from mary poppins Oh, is it? It is. I did not pick up on that. I wouldn't have either, but I've seen other people who have. People who know Mary Poppins better than I do. Okay. I. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, it's, it, it, it's hard to say stuff about Eddie without really just sort of disliking him right. all over. But what I think is really interesting then, of course, is at the end when Rose is like convincing Tommy to go, you know, say something to him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, clearly he's not wanting to at that point. <laughs> um, Tommy isn't. Yeah. But but I, I like that they don't just. Write him off. Throw Eddie out and write him off. Yeah. Um, and, even and, though that, even though clearly you want to, like, yeah. I mean, certainly you want to. Um, yeah. And, and, with good and reason, Tommy yeah. clearly wants to. And it, it, it almost kind of makes you feel bad as the person watching the show. You know what I mean? Like that you wanted him gone too. That, yeah. that, that you didn't, that you're not giving, that you're not being more graceful to this guy who really didn't do anything to you specifically. Right. It's just, right. you're watching. I mean, He's not really empathetic in any kind of way, but they do kind of make him certainly make him a pathetic character at the end. But yeah, but, um, you know, by acknowledging that he's still a father and he's still a person, Mm -hmm. despite his many, many, many flaws, (laughs) um, you know, they, they, you know, I like that they, they, they encourage Tommy to go to that and that he does that he, um, you know, rises above and, and is, doesn't stop at being clever enough to save the world as Rose puts it. Yeah. Um, Well, and there's that sense of kind of, this is kind of a depressing thought, but like, you always turn into your parents in a sense that like the guy who used to be the radical who fought against Nazism for change and freedom now is he now he's the establishment now he's the patriarch and he's got his little twerp son who's telling him what he thinks and isn't going to stand for it and then you know the irony is to have to look back and say when did that happen how did i become and and everybody you know the people who were the hippies i mean my dad was a hippie and now you know compared to my dad, I'm radical. You know, like it always. <laughs> I think that's like a generational constant. Yeah, no, you absolutely. Know? It, 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 you know, we're not we're not very far away from the "Don't trust anyone over 30 slogan yeah. here. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it may even be Tommy or one of his friends who comes up with that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's well, and I yeah, and I think it fits too with that theme. I think where he is, where he is sympathetic, is in. Again, the I think this episode is just all about change and how that's both a good thing and a bad thing and and is something to be celebrated but also something that's very difficult and uncomfortable. And I think mm. I think you can also look at Magpie and uh the detective inspector and you have these three kind of you know white male patriarch like very kind of mainstream, you know, guys who are kind of the people with the power um Mm -hmm. who are each in their own way being um edged aside as a new way of life is sort of coming to be and that's an uncomfortable thing you know to feel like you're kind of becoming dated in your own house 
you know. Right. And and not having the tools and, and to, that's, to exactly. it, you know, handle that because yeah. it's not something that their parents dealt with. Their yeah. fathers, literally, you know, had to deal with. So it's not something that you would learn from, from them. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that they're handling it poorly is maybe yeah. not that surprising, yeah. you know. Um, which is maybe where Rose and the doctor are coming from in their... Uh, well, and, and I mean, I think there's more going on with Rose, especially with her own father, having just recently seen an alternate version of her father, had he, you know, remained yeah. alive. Um, so, I mean, there's I, I don't mean to sort of boil it down into to simple ideas here, but I, I do think that that's at least part of where the Doctor and Rose are coming from in, in the, the way to deal with people. And, and it's easy to write someone off. Yeah. And just say they're just a dick and I'm yeah. not going to deal with it. Yeah. Um, it's not so easy to say, you know what? Actually, from their point of view, this may really be a really difficult thing for them to handle. And yeah. that doesn't that doesn't absolve them from being a jerk or whatever. But it, you know, empathy does have to sort of flow two ways. Like, yeah. it, you know, in order for it to work. Yeah. And and. In a way, that's a lot harder, yeah. <laughs> you know, to empathize, you know, to be the one who, um, you know, is in the right and yet still have to be able to sort of look through someone else's eyes. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a really nice, because it could even have been when really easy to end that episode with, oh, the triumph of kicking out the chauvinist, you know, and how good right, we right, all right. feel that, oh, we're enlightened and whatever. But again, mm -hmm. just to have, you know have Rose saying just go get him you know yeah. like you it he's he of course he's an idiot go get him anyway yeah. you know now now of course I I would hate to make the mistake of you know completely skipping over Rita because I feel like we almost did that it's like oh let's let, let's take this episode where we're talking about you know empowered women and and Not things about women. changing <laughs> and talk about the white guy who has to leave and yeah. how he's so you know how we empathize with him no um yes <laughs> let's talk about rita because even while we can certainly empathize with the fact that eddie got kicked out i'm glad he got kicked out and sure. i'm glad that she yeah. stood up to him and um even even before she i mean you know, I don't know if she just how she didn't know that that was her family home or whatever. But, you know, what for whatever reason, she just sort of had been going along with the status quo, I guess. You yeah, know, I don't uh, know that it means that she didn't know. It's just that that's her. I think if it or was, didn't assert if it was it or his whatever. house, she wouldn't be able to kick him out. Whereas the fact that it's her family house means that she has the authority to say you're not welcome here anymore. Right. And well, and I guess, and maybe, and maybe right. Maybe that she didn't know isn't right. I mean, I guess, I guess I don't know that she didn't know. Um, but certainly that like the status of the house hasn't changed since from the beginning of the episode to the end of it. So Except it was it, her. It makes it, his ownership of the house all the more appalling when it's not even really oh, his yeah, house. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no. Well, and that's what I was going to say. It's not the, it's not the house at all or the status of the ownership of the house changed. Yeah. It's, it's the characters changed and you know, right. Her own attitude, towards, her, her attitude yeah. towards it yeah. as well as his attitude towards it. Oh, Oh, it's not my house. So, 
she can kick me out. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is this is a situation I never pondered before. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't. I mean, but to see her go from that that meek, um, mousy kind of yeah. individual in the beginning to. To, to and 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 not that even I mean she certainly doesn't become like him and shout at him or anything she just sort of simply states the fact yeah <laughs> you know this is actually my house and you're not going to live here anymore and and, and that's right and like that's the way it is and that she tolerated all of the bullying but what what the final straw is that betrayal of the family it's the fact that he's the one that ratted um, yeah. and ratted on her mother. You know, mm -hmm. and it's been ratting on the whole street. It's that, like, I mean, so the the kind of intimidating her is bad enough. But, you know, what gives her the strength to stand up is when he goes against the family. Which is probably, right. she's probably putting up with the bullying for the family. You know, like, that's, I'm sure, her priority. So yeah, when yeah. he violates that, that's him crossing the line. Well, and it's, you know, it's that kind of art almost of, well, you know, he might be a jerk, he might be whatever, but he's a good father or yeah. he's, you know, whatever. Like, well, actually, no, he's not. Yeah. He's not. He, in the end, he's only looking out for himself, ultimately. I mean, that every excuse that he gives is about him, his reputation, how people look at him. You know, it's not about the family in the end. It's not about... um making sure that they're safe, which, you know, you would still have to question, I guess, is it worth it? But at least at that point, it becomes a question. Yeah. When it's all about himself, it's not even a question. It's just, well, no, this can't continue. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so kind of a nice little subtle hint towards a feminist movement, you know, kind of. Another yeah, one of no, those yeah. changes, which is in the air, you know. Right. There, there, she's not burning any bras. She's not, you know, <laughs> doing sort of the the, the 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 stereotypical stuff that you might consider feminism. But, yeah, yeah certainly a positive move um, for her as a woman, you know, as an individual. And, and obviously sort of a, a microcosm of probably similar situations that are going on yeah. all over the place. Yeah, well, that um, family is kind of... So yeah, it's no, Western society in a nutshell, you know. Yeah, I and and I think we're meant to see that. And then yeah. also, you see at the end there, they're having the 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 sort of the potluck festival in mm -hmm. the street, um, and and the doctor even says, you know, so, you know, or is it Rose who says something about being more domesticated? You know, a more domestic oh, approach yeah, to yeah. the celebration, um, and and you kind of get that same idea because you, I mean. I'm trying to think, and I didn't, I, I wasn't really paying attention, but most of the people who are doing things in that final scene are, are the women, right? <laughs> right? Like, you don't see a lot of men going around, like, passing out food and right, stuff. Right. I mean, there, I'm sure there are, like, men in the shot and in the, you know, like, as right. part of the celebration, but it's yeah. it's the women who are, who are doing all of the stuff. And, and, and you just kind of get that idea that... Um, you know, there is there that that movement is happening in more than just one house. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so. Let's see. Uh, um, 
moving on, because I, I do want to talk about Rosen and the Doctor a bit, too. Yeah. Um, sort of, I guess, maybe even along the same lines, we do get Rose. I mean, even and not that. She, so we get her being more um, assertive and, and direct this time. Yeah. Right. It's not it's not even like and not to say she hasn't. I mean, we're you know, we're what in in the second half now of the second season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, certainly she has shown assertiveness and, you know, inspiration and um, sort of a knack and, and learning from the doctor um, at, at, at kind of, you know, resolving situations and, and, and getting out of situations and that kind of thing. But for her to kind of jump onto what the doctor says and not just, like before we've seen her like repeating like i'm i'm thinking about um you know like when when she had the big speech to uh in in, in the christmas episode you know she had the big speech right, where she's just, just kind of repeating words that she out. said yeah. yeah 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 or or other times where she's talked where it's it's been echoes of things the doctor yeah. said yeah. now she's actively using you know like with the union jack thing she's using information that she got yeah she got the information from her mother but she's applying it to the situation yeah as something the doctor had no knowledge of or not you know what i mean so yeah. so you get that kind of breakout here too i think with rose in that you have some of the stuff and also it's not so before we get her wandering off, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, like that's the big mm-hmm. joke that she likes to wander, wander and, off, yeah. and 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 all that kind of stuff. Now it's the doctor runs off and she chooses not to follow him. Yeah, it, she stays behind to investigate. Yeah, and then she still doesn't try to follow that. Right? She's not like, oh my, where did the doctor go? I need to go find yeah. him and whatever. Right. It's. Oh, huh, something's up with this TV. Yep. Hmm, I know someone who was selling TVs really cheap, and there shouldn't be this many TVs in London at this time. So yeah. let me use my knowledge and deductive skills to, yep. you know, find Magpie and, and, and confront him without the doctor, without having that safety net, you know? Yeah. Um, I have exactly the same thing, and, and I agree. It's not that she hasn't shown um, agency before, but definitely in this one, she seems... Uh, more and more confident in her own sort of investigatory skills that like yeah. she doesn't need to catch the moped before he rides off. She can stay. No. And she'll. I'm going to finish what I'm looking at, and then exactly what you said. She's not only going to go uh, investigate Magpie, but also pretty much just confront him. <laughs> like like she mm-hmm. just flat out says like. I mean, she kind of plays coy yeah. a little bit at the beginning, but but pretty quickly it's like, no, I'm not leaving. You, you're going to tell until me until I've going seen on. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had that same quote down right there. No, I'm not. I'm not leaving until I've seen everything. And yeah, and... she definitely wouldn't have done that. But you know, that's kind right. of a new, you know, a new sort of stage in her own confidence level. I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, which I think is a nice. And, and more subtle reinforcement of, of that same theme yeah. um, that we were talking about with Rita. So, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, no, really, really good there. Now, that doesn't make her, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that she has the skill to right. back up her own well, confidence. <laughs> she still I mean, let's face it. Of, 
sucked off, but of course, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> she still ends up getting her face sucked off. Yeah, that's a very accurate description. And it's literally uh, what happens. That's so, what happens. You know, I mean, and that makes sense, right? Like, it's not, it's not like she well, suddenly can, like, defeat a monster all by herself, that we wouldn't believe right. it if she could, but she has the spirit to sort of try and to go for it and to not be afraid. And, right. and like any of us, of course she ends up in trouble. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, I mean, in that, but that's not tied to a gender thing, right? That, you know, no, everybody no, who, 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 everyone who goes up against the wire, gets their face sucked off, except the doctor. And <laughs> right. it's not because he's male. It's because he has a son, a screwdriver. <laughs> yes. It's because he's delicious and clever. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I still I still think it's delicious have been, and yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah anyway we won't go down that road armed and we, delicious armed, armed and, and delicious oh uh, right armed and clever <laughs> is is what she actually is. I see I still threw delicious in there yeah. I just I have this block I, I I keep thinking the wire called him delicious and armed and delicious I think that would have been a, a much better title, yeah uh, much quotation. better line yeah no I but, think um, I think. No, the difference for him is alien, like, what sets the Doctor apart? It's, like, alien intelligence, a certain amount of alien superior biology, not a huge amount, but a little yeah. bit, and, and technology, the screwdriver, right. and his own knowledge of technology. Those are what, you know, so that yeah. has nothing to do with, you know, that's more of right. an alien versus human rather than male versus female right it's not a gender thing it's it, it, right it's um and that's why when people get kind of you know to go on a le teeny little tangent when people kind of say oh they're sick of doctor who it's always the male doctor and the female companion that doesn't bother me so much because i don't think it's a gender thing i think it's a alien versus human and 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 the male-female is the yin, the yin and the yang. It's the duality playing off each other. You need to have... So I think if they one day did do a female doctor, you'd have to have a male companion because you need that that, yeah. that back and yeah. forth. Um, but I don't think that that means that the companion is weak because she's female. I think she's human and right. the doctor's alien, and that's the difference between the two. Yeah. Well, and, and that would be interesting to continue your tangent because the... <laughs> You know, a female doctor would still be the doctor. Would still be the doctor, and and and, 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 the, and you would the have companion to would have to balance the doctor, you know. Well, and 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 it, she, the doctor, would still have the same knowledge and yep. physiology, yep, um, and tools, yep. So, and the um, and the male companion, if there was one, would still be getting into the same sort of trouble that. Would still be wandering off. Wandering off, getting his face sucked off, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it gives a whole new meaning to the term sucking face. Um, the, the, so, coming back to this, I guess, um, man, I, I don't even know how to segue, because we've just, yeah. Um, as for the doctor. Yeah. Um, I, well, and I think what you said, said about, his alien intelligence comes into play because it's not just like what he knows, right? It's not just that he has like an encyclopedic knowledge of alien. He does have an encyclopedic knowledge of alien culture and, and whatever, but it's also alien 
thought process. It's sure. an alien. So, and, and that might be tied to the alien biology. Like, but mm-hmm. he thinks differently, you know, because he has that encyclopedic knowledge about aliens. He also thinks differently and he thinks about, well, if let's say there was an alien who was banished from its own galaxy and came to Earth, what would it do? Oh, why, of course it would live in electronic, yeah. you know, television sets and, and try to feed off of people's electrical brainwaves. Like, he, I mean, yes, some of the descriptions and explanations that they give are pseudoscience. Yeah, of course. Most of the explanations they give are pseudoscience. I'd go so far as but, to say all of the descriptions <laughs> they give are pseudoscience. I don't think that would be very, you know, far off. Yeah. But the... Uh, I mean, the thing is, like, you know, it's it, you could kind of call it hand-waving at how quickly he comes to these conclusions. But I think some of that is is just, you know, that he does think differently. He He's not, like, things that seem like leaps to us, yeah. puny, human, you know, ape minds. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> um, you know, probably there are synapses that are connecting in the doctor's brain that would never connect in ours because they're... they're he, he again. He has that knowledge, but he also has a different way of thinking about how the universe works yeah. than than we do. So yeah. Anyway. Well, and actually, one of my favorite my favorite things in this episode, and which kind of connects to um, the way he thinks, is that part where, uh, which I just think is hysterical, but I think it's such a great shade to the character when when they're upstairs with the grandmother and she first has her face wiped and then they hear mm-hmm. the cops coming in and he's saying what, what he's trying to figure out what could have done this so what were you doing when when it happened mm-hmm. quickly c- come on come on come on they're coming and he doesn't have time to finish so there's that yeah. little vamp for time where you know he has nothing to say he's just trying to stall so he goes you know uh, okay, now, but b- before you say anything, there are three, you know, imp- imp- important, <laughs> yeah. brilliant, and complicated reasons why you should listen to me. One, right. and then he gets punched out. Mm-hmm. But there's that idea that he has no idea what is going to come out of his mouth. This is just the talking. Right, and and that's, this is what the nice yeah. doctor said. I'm the doctor. If there's one thing I can do, it's talk. It's mm-hmm. It's just... You know, and on the one hand, it's like, well, he doesn't know what's going on, so it's him trying to figure it out. But it's again that thing of he figures it out by talking and his own, you know, mouth is what he relies on to get him out of situation. So it's just relying on his ability to sort of ramble on until the right, you know, the right thing sort of comes spilling out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I, besides the fact that I think that seems really funny. um, I just think it's (laughs) like a really nice, encapsulation of that kind of like rambly aspect to the character um yeah yeah and his, well, and I, his own way of thinking let me let me just talk and see what happens yeah well yeah and I, first of all i didn't expect him to get punched. i, I expected like him to to talk his way out of the great slapstick you know, like yeah um so that that was i mean minor you know very minor thing but it did surprise me that it happened um no, I think you're right, and I do remember even um, back to the episode where where he's talking with the the Emperor Dalek and and saying that you know if I can talk if you want to hear talking I can talk yeah. oh I can talk yeah and 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 even that, almost even reminiscent of what 
this doctor does here with with uh, with Eddie with the father and yeah. you know basically saying I'm talking so shut up yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. like this is this is me talking um, but you're right it's not just it's not hot air it's it might sound like it sometimes but it's it's his way of dealing with things there's you know it's it it's the foreground application to the 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 background processes that are running to kind of figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I, so on another note with the doctor, I'm a little bothered by how happily anachronistic he seems to like making things, (laughs) um, you know, inventing the Betamax video cassette years years early early and, and the scooter. Oh, you may want to keep that in the garage for a few years. Um, you you know, and, and even their outfits, like you said, again, rock and roll isn't around yet. So like, you know, these, the, 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 the especially Rose's, um, outfit, but yeah, like, I mean, he's, you know, he's got, he's got the look there too. So, um, and I'm not, Hey, I'm okay with Rose's fifties look. (laughs) I, that was, that didn't bother me at all. No, she but, looks great. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, they, Th- that becomes, it is kind of funny. It that... becomes a little bit of a running joke of um, what things he invents early. That that mm-hmm. starts, I think, is that the first one? He hasn't done that yet, has he? I mean, oh, I don't remember anything. he invented the banana daiquiri. He invented the <laughs> banana daiquiri yeah, I, a couple you know, centuries I didn't. early. And, and that becomes like a running thing of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I invented this. I didn't. Re- that's great. Like I had no idea. I, he didn't really invent it. He just brought right, it right. back in time. But um, right. so I mean, yeah. I mean, that's not the last time we'll see that. And it's usually just a point of humor, like more we, than anything yeah. else. And, I and like, which is why I, I like called it happily has, anachronistic. Like, and yeah. I like his little um, squiggle writing which has been scribbled out like he's <laughs> yeah. he's had other things on this tape that he's yeah where did he get the and... tape i mean did he run back to the tardis i mean there's they, they no, don't make them no, yet they, do. So like... they go to the tardis when they're running did, did i miss that they, part? he runs back and gets all of his electrical stuff and stuff oh yeah, yeah yeah okay okay so, okay I, that's right yeah I, so i think he grabs the tape out of the vcr and brings it with him yeah you don't re- well and he still has a beta mask apparently <laughs> He's got everything yeah, no, I, in there, yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I'm sure there are many, many rooms I have yet to see in the TARDIS of, yeah. you know, that are all, like, thrift store quality, yeah. um, you know, shops. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, no, it, it. I mean, it, and it is fun. I mean, I, I laughed. And, you know, again, it's a, I mean, the whole setup is implausible to begin with. But, you know, sure. it's like... If you're living in that world already, it's it's as good of good of an ending as anything else you might come up with. And um, I love I love the explanation he gives of how he's going to make sure that she doesn't come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, by by. Uh... Oh man, and I lost it. I was going to say it too, and now I can't find it in my notes here. The the transtemporal extirpation methods to neutralize a residual electronic pattern. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rose's. Y- you what? <laughs> I'm gonna take over. <laughs> um, now it everything's digital. I just throw it in my trash bin and yeah, on the Mac and and, and, and yeah, and seriously. It's gone. Um, um, well, I mean, we're out of time. But do is there anything you want to say, or do we just need to note his sort of uh, displeasure when it's 
Rose that gets, you know, oh, victimized. No, I feel like we I, need to acknowledge that. Before no, 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 no. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I had that. And I think, I think before I got sidetracked by... I don't even remember what sidetracked me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that anachronistic stuff. I did want to talk about that because we obviously we know that there's, you know, much affection <laughs> between sure. Rose and the doctor yeah. at this point. But um, but yeah, I mean, that was really like, I mean, that wasn't just like, OK, now you made me angry. Yeah. This was like force of nature yeah nothing nothing in the verse can stop me yeah um you know i aim to misbehave kind of thing like this is this is totally uh no it was i mean the oncoming storm right like that's the side of the doctor which is oh yeah 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 you know yeah 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 they took her face and just chucked her out and left her in the street as a result that makes things very very simple um and it does come down to that sort of simple thing, right? And I think that's – I don't know if we if, if you can make too much of it, but that's, you know, again, the, the difference maybe between the Doctor and Rose's relationship and, say, you know, Rita and Eddie's relationship. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, Eddie's all about himself and figuring things out. And, and the Doctor's not really – I mean, the Doctor – the doctor enjoys himself very much. Like, I mean, he gets a kick out of himself, but when it comes down to, I mean, he, and, and, and he takes an interest in the rest of the world kind of, you know, with capital, the rest of the world, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's, it's not like, like he'll save the world, but you know, but this is, this this is is Rose. Like you get this sense that he's personally offended that they would leave her. It's like, okay, it's a villain. What do you expect it to do? It's not going to treat her nicely. Of course it's going to leave her in the middle of nowhere. But it's like that he seems to take that as like a personal affront. Like that they did that. Oh, no, definitely. And, 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 And even just look at the words that he uses. They took her face and chucked her out. It's 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 goes back to that consumer society kind of feel mm-hmm. about it right it's 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 the uh, you know i got i got my happy meal ate the hamburger out of it and then you know chucked the whole yeah. bag and everything out the window as i'm flying down the freeway yeah so it you know it's 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 that um not just that they did something bad to rose but they that they did it in such a uh, 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 lack of respect you know a, yeah. a disrespectful fashion yeah um and 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 again, I mean, Rose obviously isn't the only one. I mean, we've already seen the grandmother, and we see that there are plenty of other people trapped, um, or being protected, or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. by the police. You know, um, so I mean, but yeah, this is personal. It's 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 that you did it to my Rose, mm-hmm. and so it it becomes. Um, he becomes incredibly angry and yeah. becomes a, a personal vendetta at that point. Um, and it's a good thing he swears by rubber soles. <laughs> um, because otherwise Rose may have stayed that way. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, good. Go for the converse. I, I also wanted to mention um, the, 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 the hilarious use of the psychic paper there to make him the king of Belgium. The king of Belgium. That was... They're saving me a seat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't you be at the coronation? Yeah, uh, and I yeah. like that he kind of doesn't know what it is. That like, yeah, it's it's kind of like 
I always wonder about the psychic paper. Does it does it say what the doctor wants it to say, or does it say what the other person expects it to well, say? Because the doctor's kind of like, huh, King of Belgium, apparently. Didn't know that, yeah. but that's fine, you know? And, and I, I was thinking about that, too, because he does use it earlier in this episode, too, right? Yeah, um, right, when he said, right, when he gets into the house. Um, and then it does kind of seem to be what he wants well, it to say. And I wonder how much of it is like... He's implanting the suggestion, so yeah. it's what that person expects, expects to see. I think that's so, right. So, because he, 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 right, right, he does that whole, like, up and down assessment of Eddie. He's like, oh, okay, you know, you've got a good job and you're a military yeah. man. So, uh, I, obviously, I'm from king and, you know, queen and country. You're a conservative. You know. I represent the queen, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, like, very, you, you know, oh, and his three-second psychological profile yeah, exactly. of, of Eddie. Um, but I think that's right. I think there's an element of you need the other person to be, it needs to be them that's seeing what they want to see. Um, but I'm, even I'm thinking he, about even this. Even if he suggests whatever it is. Um, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm going to be chagrined after this because it reminds me of Jack. Because when <laughs> Rose first meets Jack and there's the psychic paper there. Oh, right. It's something, there's something on the psychic paper that's residual from her. Right, right. That she's that, like single and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you or know, she, or whatever. Or she has a boyfriend, but not really. Or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> whatever it's, yeah, something along those lines. So like there does, it, it seems to I be. I think it's a two, a two party thing. It seems to yeah. me that there's like, it's, it's both parties contributing to whatever the paper ends up being. So, and, and maybe it's just because she doesn't have the control the doctor has over it to kind of whatever. But, but even, um, again, when, when they're, you know, back with Queen Victoria, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm here to protect you. And so, of course, he flashes up the thing, and, and it's whatever they're expecting to see yeah. that will signify his appropriateness of being there. Yeah. Anyway. Are we, um, we're way over time, aren't we? Yeah, we okay. are. We're like a bunch over time. So, good episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything more to say than that. Uh, so. Mark Gatiss, who wrote The Unquiet Dead. It's the same guy. Um, okay. And so, I mean, his episodes tend to be... He writes a lot of uh, period pieces. He tends to write historical ones. And then sure. I think, like, he's also really good with, like, the kind of body horror stuff. You know, which we saw okay. with the Unquiet Dead, and then again with these faceless things. So, kind of little mm-hmm. themes that you see from the writers um, now that we've seen him him a couple times. But um, yeah. but now we can move on to Buffy. Cool. And um, if you don't mind, I'll just jump in. Yes. Since you kind of yeah, uh, you want to set the stage for us a little bit. I did. Um, just and actually, it's production stuff. So a couple things. First of all. Um, we did note that this was the first of a two-part mm-hmm. uh, uh, episode or story. Um, and we haven't had a two-part story in Buffy since the first two episodes. Pilot, since right. Since, yeah, yeah um, those opening episodes. So um, there was some question about whether uh, two-part episodes aired back-to-back that we had earlier. Um, they do not. These episode on diff- the, these aired on different weeks okay. originally. Um, All right, so you have uh, a uh, so you have a week to sit on the cliffhanger and anticipate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. With, with just like we do now. Yeah, and there is quite the cliffhanger, yeah. isn't there? Um, quite the revelation. Definitely. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to note is that this is the first episode that we get with Marty Knoxon. Um, as as she's a co-writer here, she goes on. Um, 
I actually noted in the first episode of our podcast when we were kind of setting up both series uh, that Marty tells a story in the DVD commentaries about how uh, when Buffy was first coming out, uh, she saw a billboard, you know, sort of announcing the show. And she was like, oh, my God, the the movie was horrible. The show's got to be horrible. (laughs) So here we get her, you know. Not quite the middle of season two, and she's writing for the show. <laughs> um, Didn't take her very long to come around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she actually goes on. So, again, we're, we're almost at the halfway point. She goes on to write six episodes in season two. Oh, wow. So she's um, got a lot of... So she, yeah, she gets so, a lot of airtime in the second half of the season, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that makes her tied with Joss for the number of... For the most number of episodes written in the season. Um she later becomes a co-producer in seasons three and five. She's a supervising producer in season four <laughs> and executive producer um, in season six and seven. Okay. So the last two seasons there. So she, I mean, you know, th- w- this is definitely like a major, the, be- the beginning yeah. of a major influence yeah. on the story and, and, and production here. So yeah. um, just wanted to do that. She also was a consulting producer for the first three seasons of Angel with over- overlap with seasons four through six of Buffy. So, I mean, there's a lot of. Right. Cause you um, said there's of a lot of there. interplay between the two. So that makes um, sense that she, that they have back and forth between. Yeah. Their series. Um, and since then, she's worked on a bunch of other stuff. She's worked on Prison Break, uh, Brothers and Sisters I Never Watched, Grey's Anatomy, and, and the spinoff, Private Practice. Mm-hmm. She's worked on Mad Men, Glee. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just really talented writer. Success, worked on a yeah. lot of really good stuff. Um, coincidentally, her <laughs> co-writer, Howard Gordon, this is the only episode of Buffy that he worked on. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but it, it, things go roundabout. He went on to write for a show, Strange Days, um, which only lasted one season with none other than our good friend Tim Minear. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and after Strange Day was canceled, Joss actually picked up both of them, Tim Minear and um, Howard Gordon, for Angel. And so Howard did come back into the Buffy verse, but he came back in with Angel, with Angel okay. um, not with not with Buffy. So, um, and that's where kind of Tim and Joss's relationship oh, sort of so if it weren't too. for Howard so, Gordon we might not have so, the, yeah, the Reed and Minear partnership I don't know um, you know it's all good and and Gordon has gone on to work on 24 and Homeland and, and some other shows so okay. also has has done some pretty, yeah, pretty cool stuff um, so anyway that's my sort of production introduction um, but yeah I, I think you'll find um, like Joss the stuff that Marty Noxon works on is going to have some pretty good mythological stuff in it. Some of it is, you know, going to be monster of the week, but we'll still probably have some of those heavier mythological notes in, you know, within the episode and that kind of thing. Yeah. And of course we get some good mythology here. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, I'll turn it over to you now because you were actually supposed to start here. I kind of <laughs> took over. Um, so where do you want to begin? Um, well, I guess we can just transition into the characters, but first, just just kind of, I don't, I guess it is kind of a theme, but it's more, it's more just a context for all these discussions, this kind of motif of the career fair, um, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the fact that, uh, is it Buffy or I forget which of them says, like, or maybe Xander, that these tests don't tell you anything, but... Yeah. But they all take them super seriously anyway, you know, like, right, and we've right. all done that where we're like, this is stupid. This doesn't, this won't tell me anything, but 
you're really anxious to get your results back and see what kind of analysis you get. Um, and, you know, understandably so, I think when you're, I was going to say when you're a teenager, but uh, I think yeah, for, not your, even, for your like, whole life, even. you're looking for <laughs> your path and your direction and a career, but also like a vocation, like a sense of something that what are you not just, you don't just want to do a job you want to have. What's my career going to be? What's my, you know, what am I meant to do? Um, mm -hmm. And and, you know, and using that as a springboard to think about what direction is your life heading. Um, right. And right. for someone like Buffy, how much control do you have over what direction your life is yeah. heading? And she seems to feel not any. Not any control. Um, um, so it kind of made me wonder. I mean, it, they seem to kind of take it for granted that Buffy just can't have a career, like, at all. So you wonder, like, how can she support herself how does how does a slayer support herself uh historically i wonder i don't maybe that's a non-issue but it kind of made me curious like what is the precedent for you know yeah slayer and, career and, paths and that's yeah great questions to be asked um there are potential answers to that i don't want to give them away but we're not given any um, in this episode yeah 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 i don't i don't want to sort of talk through because you know again you sort of learn more about the whole kind of slayer and watcher system as the series as the goes series, on yeah. too so there's you know i think that's more like a research question okay. <laughs> that you kind of have to come to i don't know that you're you ever get a real answer um but we and know I'm sure that different slayers did different things and everything so well i, w I was gonna say i mean buffy became slayer pretty young yeah that's true there's an implication that slayers don't tend to live to be very old okay so they maybe don't so, have to worry about this problem so, so much. <laughs> yeah, they're they're and 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 they do have a watcher. Um, now Giles has a job, but it's a cover job, right? Yeah. So, like there is, you know, the watcher doesn't just watch, but also sort of takes care of the charge too. So I think there's there's some implications there that yeah. that you you know, Buffy's physical needs like food and shelter yeah. will Would... be somewhat looked over okay. you know by by the system kind of yeah. in, in that way i mean that's i i think those that's are things that we can and, thing. and they also I, they give they they kind of we're given the possible cover career for buffy which is uh being a police officer you know yeah. that she could find a job where no one would <laughs> uh question her if she were like running around with a gun in a club and maybe yeah. had a stake hidden up her sleeve. You know, like, she's running around catching criminals. Maybe yeah. there's a way to make that work with being the Slayer. She could be up late at night and nobody would, would you know, question her about it. So Right. Which which is somewhat the premise of the show Grimm, um, which is produced by David Greenwald, who we've, we've talked about yeah. before. Um, so... Um, yeah, anyway, just, yeah, that's not far off from the concept that she could yeah. potentially do that. But, you know, at this she point, anyway. She doesn't about it. Yeah, she does. I mean, that's certainly not what she wants to be. Yeah. And and we even get, right, the the what she used to want to be. You know, what was her childhood dream was to be a skater and yeah. um, to be Dorothy Hamill. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps a slightly dated reference at this point. 
Um, but but no no less dated perhaps than you know the the anywhere but here references we got <laughs> before with I know I guess uh, who would it be now like Michelle Kwan or Sasha Cohen or something Dorothy Hamill yeah. is a little yeah uh, yeah but um anyway the uh yeah so no I think you're right I I mean that there's definitely that you know what am I going to be when I grow up kind of idea and and also the what do other people think I'm I could be, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's there. It's not just the, what's your potential, but it's how do other people see you? And that's, what's interesting about the career test is, you know, it's not like, what do I want? And can I achieve that? It's, it's, you want to, in a, in a weird way, you want to be told what you should do, you know, cause you well, don't and, know what you're capable, you know, and especially when you're young, it's sort of like, and, you you're told you can be yeah. anything and you and you want this test to sort of identify for you what your yeah. you know what kind of options you might have or it, to narrow your options even and and i think that's one of the things that xander is trying to um express you know i mean he does it humorously mm-hmm. and 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 sort of flippantly but you know what what suck all the spontaneity out of being young and stupid i'd rather live in the dark yeah but i mean there's 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 a serious point to that is how well can you really you know tell someone what someone's going to be based on a test of a snapshot in time yeah you know when they're kids still and still grow up growing and still developing and still learning about things that i'm and and i mean we know that even as adults, I mean, people have career changes, yeah. you know, you, you don't vastly gone, even in the late nineties, when this was produced, you know, gone were the days of staying in one job for your entire life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's definitely, definitely good questions and, and definitely suspect in a way too, to even ask, is it even possible? Is there, can you be told objectively from some tests what you're good at or what you're going to do or what or you know and does that even matter if it's something that you won't enjoy or or you don't think you'll enjoy yeah you know those are all those are all part and parcel of it i got told in high school i took one of those tests and i got told there might have been secondary choices but i remember very clearly the at the top of my list was air traffic controller no and well, I think at the time I thought... I've seen Pushing Tin. I don't want to be an I think, Erica. I think at the time I thought that meant the people who were out with, like, the, the cones. And oh. like, I was, like, <laughs> like a devast- I was yeah, I devastated. <laughs> I thought, what? And then someone had to explain, no, it's actually, like, a really difficult job. I was like, oh, that sounds horrible. I don't want to do that at all. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. No. definitely not a career I ever even considered. So I would definitely place a certain question mark over whatever a standardized test tells you about your life path but yeah yeah. um yeah so um anyway uh, on on that um do do you just want to sort of go down through the characters i mean we started talking a little about buffy but yeah no we can um, we can keep talking about buffy a little bit um so i mean there's that kind of nice little um ironic cut from her saying the future is a non-issue to cut to what's his face the geeky vampire um oh dalton dalton uh (laughs) reading his tarot cards you know telling the future and telling you know 
her fortune or, you, you know, so you kind of get that uh, little ironic nod there that this is all about Buffy's future, that vampires are trying to make sure she doesn't have one. You know, when she says the future is a right. non-issue, she means I'm not going to have a job, whereas it may be that a non-issue. That it's already foreseen, like, yeah, yeah. Or, or it's a non-issue. Well, that's true. So it could just mean I don't have to worry about the future because I can't get a job. Or it could mean I don't have to worry about the future because it is foretold and there's nothing I can do about it. Or Spike's trying to kill her. So the future is a non-issue in that she might not have one. Um, mm -hmm. So there's that kind of yeah. multi-layered, you know, thing, which is nice. Yeah. Well, and she even says almost that exactly to Giles. You know, oh, oh right. As long as I'm alive, there's can't be any of the Slayer. I don't have to be the Slayer. I could be dead. Yeah. <laughs> and and Giles is like, that's not funny. And and you get the sense that Buffy's not entirely saying it to be funny. Yeah. Like, I mean, there 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 definitely is, you know that chagrin there and um yeah 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 um so you know and it is kind of interesting that she does have unlike the others she does have a career already sort of picked out in a sense she has a calling and a vocation mm -hmm. it's just not one that she wants she wants the normal life she doesn't yeah. want the pressure and the burden of of having this job um yeah and, yeah, uh, and 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 it's interesting because, I mean, obviously that's a tune that she's been singing yeah. since the first episode, yep. but it it has changed in quality, I yeah. think, because she is she's resigned to it now, yeah. even to the point of not wanting to look for other things. It's not even. It's like yes, I would love to be able to do this, but I can't and I won't. And it's. A much more mature, even though she says in this episode, I'm not mature, I have yet to mature. Yeah. Um, you know, e even though she says that, she really does have a more, a much more mature yeah. attitude towards her own being, um, you, you know, her destiny of being the Slayer. Yeah, so. she's not like, she's not whiny about it. She's not pouting about it. She's sort of accepted. Or at least not much. Yeah. And not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Um, um, I like to her um, that she comes in the window and and looks so oh, yeah. so uh, befuddled that she came in the window when she didn't have to, and like almost like disgusted, like oh god, is this what is this what I've become? Like this is second nature. <laughs> I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, have it. Yeah, have it. that's all. It is. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, that that is a funny, funny moment. Yeah, oh, my mom's in L.A. She's, I don't know, buying art or something. <laughs> so why did you come through the window exactly? She does this look uh, like I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, of course, Angel is in her room holding Mr. Gordo. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> looking at pictures and stuff. Uh, so, Lurking. yeah, speak. Speaking of Angel, yeah. What? <laughs> how did how did you know I lurk? I lurk. <laughs> um, I had a bad feeling. Oh, there's a surprise. Angel comes with bad news again. Since pretty much the first episode, yep. right. <laughs> whenever Angel shows up, and and he, again with the messenger, you know that resonates mm -hmm. to the name. That that's really what he shows up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I like the the symmetry too of at the end. Then she's lurking in his bedroom. Like, she goes to him, and mm. he's not there. 
And so she's kind of wandering around looking at things just like, and the contrast of her sort of warm, comfortable, you know, nice bedroom and his very Spartan, like, cot with the cinder <laughs> block wall, like, you know, it's so different. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, he, he does have a very minimalistic uh, <laughs> apartment there, doesn't he? Um, but we do, yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that's some insight we get to, and we've seen Angel's apartment before, but not in a way where we really had time to, yeah, you know, because she does, she, she kind of wanders simply around by, and, yeah. yeah, simply by wandering around, she does kind of, you know, give us a little more information just kind of about him and the way he lives and, and, and that sort of stuff. And, and we get, you know, even more information, um, you know, how does he know that there's an ice rink that's closed on Tuesdays? You know what I mean? Like a random thing to know. Yeah. But well, and I mean, it could be a random thing to know, but I mean, maybe he already knew about mm. Buffy's skating thing, you know, like I, I, and I don't know that he does, but you know, or maybe it's just that he tends to know about places that are closed right. because he has to know how to get around. Yeah. Um, you know, so like it, you know, it, there's kind of that ambiguity there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely a cool thing that he's he's kind of reaching out and trying to make a little more time mm -hmm. to not just be creepy guy who <laughs> shows up places. Um, the 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 other obvious thing that we have to talk about is his roughing up of Willie. Okay, that's uh, the bartender, right? The bartender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, sorry, he gives his name once. Um, I think in in the scene, um, he he calls him Willie. Um, and I don't even know if it's like if Willie's Bar is the name of the place or whatever. But it's it's just you know it's it it is. And and Willie shows up from time to time. Like he's not a super important character, but like you know it won't be the last time we see okay, kind of him in his bar. He's but just it's someone who's happens to be in the know about right. It's he's not. Yeah, we're well, not. And he, he even kind of give, gives a hint. He's like, oh, you know, I, it, he caters to Supernatural. Okay. You know, so like this is, this is a vamp bar. This is, okay. you know, Fantasia, but, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> however many years before Fantasia was thought of. Um, and much tamer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, it's interesting, I think, because we see... Um, a different side of angel and yeah. and you have to sort of wonder like is this what he's like all the time because we i was trying to remember and and you you actually corrected me on it <laughs> um i was trying to remember if if we had seen angel at this point without any of the other major characters in a scene and you had reminded me that we did get scenes with him and darla mm -hmm. um previously yeah um and that's significant yeah. so yeah. so yeah so, but, and but th those much. were good scenes not much, Very but little. this is, yeah. Um, yeah, this is just him. And, and even then we had already seen Darla and knew that they kind of had a history yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, like that, like now we're seeing like, this is Angel by himself. Like this is what he does in his free time. All those <laughs> periods of time that we don't see him, he goes and beats up supernatural bartenders. Right. Is this how um, he's getting all this information, which he cryptically brings to Buffy? Yeah. 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 I mean, this that seems to be the implication that, that it's at least one of the ways. This is one of his connections. And, and Although, sorry, go ahead. You can finish. No, I was just going to... Uh, Willie does say, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, you know. So there's that. 
because the other thing is 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 this almost like the doctor got with Rose, you know, is this Buffy was threatened and now um, you know, this is me kind of going ballistic that, on someone I know who might I, have the info. That's how I read it. But mm-hmm. I think you bring up a good point, which is that how would we know otherwise? Because we never see him alone. So right. I think how we're meant to read it and how I took it is that this is Again, like him, okay, things are serious. I'm taking this personally. I, this is something I have to do because it's reached a new level. But um, that could be a misdirection in the sense that we we don't have any evidence to the contrary. So for all we know, this could be like business as usual. But, right, but right. maybe because we've well, been seduced into thinking like Buffy thinks because we see from her point of view, maybe mm-hmm. this is a side to the character that he's been sort of you know, keeping a little bit hidden. And and the two don't have to be mutually exclusive either. That is a good point. So, yeah. um... Actually, you it's know, not... It, what I was going to say is it's not dissimilar to the way that Spike sort of roughs up... What's the guy's... I keep forgetting his name. Dalton? Dalton. Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of like how when Spike's frustrated with Dalton, he kind of smacks him around a little bit. It's like... I, I, just on a tangent, I just have to say, I love that there's an academic vampire. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's ridiculous, yeah. but you, you know, he's, you know, he's the research vampire, yeah. um, you know, he's, and he's he, the Giles. Of he's, the he's not even, he's not even a very good one. No. I mean, he doesn't even, well, I mean, in all fairness, it's not, it's like archaic Latin. It's not, you know, classical Latin. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he, there's some excuse there for him to not. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he seems a little bit incompetent. The 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 uh, thing I wanted to say about Angel is that yeah, like they, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Like clearly, Willie knows who he is, and he pretty much knows right before even Angel explains why he's there. He knows why Angel's there. Yeah. So I mean, it's not unprecedented. Yeah. But you do get the feeling that it's been a while since something like this has happened. Yeah. Um, which I think is right. So I I I, I think there there's both of those things going on that there is a, a side to angel we just haven't seen and he's getting information somehow and maybe it's not willie maybe it's some other you know character that we haven't seen yet um where he gets his information from but it's also the fact that his girlfriend yeah. uh is, is is being harmed and so he's going to do or being threatened or whatever and and also because Buffy doesn't seem to understand the the you know uh, incredible danger that she's potentially in here, uh, you know that's that's like he he has that source of of information that that she just doesn't have and that Giles doesn't have, which again we talked about um, right from from the beginning that he he's in the know in ways that neither of them are. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is him using, you know, using his uh, his methods um, to get that information. Yeah. Which, again, to me, it seems his methods aren't that different from Spike's. Yeah. You know, no, I they're think not. That's another well, point and, of, and we know that him and Spike were buddies. Yeah. Yeah. We know that him and Spike were buddies at one point. So, I mean, that's yeah, it's not there's there's a. A very thin line yeah. um, there. And and one other point, um, 
very briefly mentioned, um, Willie is human. So even though he caters to supernatural, he himself is not okay. supernatural. Um, I mean, Angel says it more like a threat. He, you know, oh, it's been a while since I killed a human. You know, it could take me a while. I'm uh-huh. a little rusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, I remember so, that. Um, definitely, definitely just wanted to point that out, too. So it's, he has a right to be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Willie does, so. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, moving on. Well. So, or, uh, unless, sorry, unless you had more to well, say. Well, no, about. I was just going to say the last part with Angel is his encounter with Kendra, but maybe we should save her. Do we want to start talking about her in the mythology, or do we want to finish up with the other characters before we move on to her? Um, maybe we can go quickly through the other characters. I yeah. think we, we probably want a little more time on the mythology. Yeah. Um, um, so... And, and, and I don't think there's a lot to say about the other characters. Maybe maybe no. let's talk about... Um, let's, let's, just kind let's of... Let's talk about Willow. Will, Willow and Oz. Okay, good. That's what I was going to so, say. Um, <laughs> so, of course, she's the only one who wants to take the test. And then right. she's the only one who doesn't get a career assigned. <laughs> Just like so uh, typical. Yeah, uh, and you, right, right, right. But that's only because uh, she's been or being recruited by these sort of corporate men in black recruiters um, mm-hmm. who are software developers. So this yes, is interesting. Yes. I'll be interested to see whether this is really and of course, a software is, developer or not. Well, well, and, and, and contextually, right, historically, this is right before the whole software bubble. Yeah. I mean, this is this is probably, the lead up. Bill Gates yeah. is probably recruiting her himself, for all we know. Yeah. Um, this this is this is right up right up there. So Yeah, and so <laughs> so and and only the, the cream of the crop. So apparently Oz is also intelligent yes. enough to have been specially selected and he's the only other student yeah. in sunnydale who's been chosen yep. for this privilege yep um, and they and they meet over some hors d'oeuvres yes so and i want to point out right so this is the first time we see the two of them in the same sort of uh proximity where they are both aware of each other's presence right. And neither of them is disguised, mm-hmm. <laughs> which has not been the case yet. Um, and, and, I mean, we've already talked about, I mean, obviously, Oz has seen Willow and has noticed her uh, as a potential for someone who yeah. could get his attention. <laughs> but he, um, she hasn't really seen him before, has she? No. I don't think I mean, so. I mean, Hard to say because well, I mean, she was at the bronze and watching the band, right? So like, Their has eyes he come didn't meet across the room or anything? Yeah. I don't think. I mean, has he been in her field of view? Yes. Has right. she I'm seen sure him? She knows like, like that he. Yeah. He's another student, but it's not like exactly. It's, exactly. It seems so far it's been like a one-sided in the sense that he's been sort of noticing her. I don't know that we've seen her take any special notice of him yet it's usually him watching her walk by <laughs> no no well and 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 it's always her so, that's in the costume so and we got to go right back to xander's conversation what like a season ago <laughs> about you know not seeing the thing that's seeing yeah, you right yeah. you know and, and not being aware of what's right in front of you looking on past whatever um and yeah, I mean Willow still has 
thoughts for Xander. I mean, presumably we haven't, it hasn't been in our face quite as much recently, but. Right. But we can assume, I mean, yeah. You know, there, there's not, not a lot has changed. I think we're, we're meant to think yeah. in that department. Um, even though, uh, after, after Xander's whole, Oh, Willow, you're, you're a good friend. You know, you're my best mm-hmm. friend. Like it has toned down since then. Like, yeah. I mean, there, 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 you know, that may have been sort of her realization at that point that if she is still feeling stuff, she's keeping it pretty deep inside. But I don't think we're meant to think that those feelings have gone away at all. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but you know, it's nice that yeah the two the two most qualified <laughs> students in Sunnydale for this prestigious you know recruitment session. Um, get a chance to finally meet and, and, and shows that there's an appropriateness, uh, to Oz's, uh, affection for Willow or what could become affection for Willow, whatever you would call right. that infatuation. Like he's mostly or... just noticed her for like her sort of weirdness, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of, she's kind of intriguing to him, but now it's like they're, they're intellectual equals too. Like they're actually the only ones they're, you know, selected apart from the rest of the student body. So they're sort of on the same level, I guess. Like they may be suited. He may find her attractive for other things than just like the crazy outfits that she wears and stuff. Right. And, and not only are they selected, but you find out that like they've been following for months, like the tests were irrelevant for them. It's not even like, that the test had anything to do with it. It's, it's yeah. just because of who they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very nice. I'm not saying anything will come of it. I'm just, it's nice that this moment they're sitting <laughs> together in a room for all we know it, you know, they could go away and never see each other again. And that would be totally Joss Whedon-esque. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to throw a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to throw you off the scent, but I don't think you're buying it. <laughs> I'm not buying it. Um, I, don't I'm, warn I'm the too, tadpoles. So. That was like the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, what? I, I feel like I feel like I probably should have done more research on what that. I feel of, like that, like, who, that there's probably of, something so, there's in there. There's some inside joke there that like somebody. Yeah. There's a story there that you wonder yeah, what it, it is. Yeah, what like there there's a shawarma or a Budapest exactly. like yeah. uh, explanation like, for that. We're just going to throw just don't this know in with no explanation, and you know, let you sort of deal with it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, the, um, I have frog fear. <laughs> uh, so Xander, I don't know that there's a lot more to say because we kind of already talked about his stuff. I mean, yeah. Uh, the, so the, the prison guard thing was interesting. I was trying to work out whether there was any more significance to that i didn't know if that could be foreshadowing something maybe or if it was just something that was like an uncomfortably random thing to get assigned i I will give you the unprecedented spoiler xander does not become a prison guard in any of the buffy episodes that i'm aware of and i and i didn't mean literally (laughs) i meant like foreshadowing of something maybe more um less less literal than that like more thematic yeah. like is he gonna be the guardian of something or you know but but um yeah but maybe no, not so it, it, i mean it's a good thought and i you know i 
wouldn't necessarily rule it out. I think it's something if if you choose to keep your eyes open and and look at things, maybe that could be. Um, I honestly, I don't think that it's that much. But I I do want to say, um, based on something you said earlier, just sort of, uh, you know, about well, and and we were kind of talking about perceptions and 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 whatever. Like, you know, this is like this is Xander. This is what officialdom sees in Xander, right? <laughs> but yeah. we've already, and you know, we've already seen other sort of ideas about Xander too, because like, you know, you can you can kind of say, oh, I don't see Xander as a prison guard, but you know, prison guard that's that's a you know, that's a tough job. Uh, yeah, that's a tough gig. Yeah, and that's you know, it's not, but it, you know, it's not necessarily intellectual. Yeah, um, but it is something that you know is important yeah. <laughs> and and certainly is something that like heretofore you haven't really seen Xander being um someone who you would take seriously in that kind of way yeah you know what I mean and yeah. and especially if uh, because we see him paired with Cordelia who we have to talk about next mm-hmm. um in this episode she's been one to put him down at every turn, even in this episode, Yeah, you know, right at the beginning in that opening scene where they're in the lunchroom and stuff. Um, you know, just, I mean, take your pick at what she calls him, you know, future plea to delivery guy, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Like, you yeah. know, just totally dismisses up dismissive of him. And I think this is the first time where we get the idea that as poor as these tests may be at predicting what someone could be, it's at least taking Xander somewhat seriously. Yeah, no, that implies, like, I mean, you have to have, like, a certain strength of character and trustworthiness and authority and confidence to do that job. Like, not just anybody could do that job. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely calls for, you know, really um, strong qualities, I think. Yeah. Um, I do also want to say, well, two other very minor notes about um xander one he mentions ho-hos i don't apparently hostess got like product placement because before we saw him eating twinkies yeah. with um, uh, ampada and xander and, is uh, the hostess spokesperson yeah, for the series. yeah which clearly worked out well for hostess yeah um <laughs> considering they no longer exist oh. um the day the twinkie mo- died right mo- moment of silence um also we get Xander's use of the term the Scooby Gang. I, I um, noticed that. Yeah. Which which is um you may know, and I don't feel that this is much of a spoiler to say, that becomes sort of the the term of preference. I, among I did know their that own and group. I and I think I was waiting for it. Like yeah. I was kind of I, I wondered when that was gonna make I, its appearance. I, I feel like that's one of those things that has just sort of found its way into the cultural consciousness. Um so it's I don't feel that it would have been much of a spoiler even had we said it earlier yeah but like i remember for several episodes and when we first started watching you kept using the term slayer ads i'm like nobody calls them the slayer ads <laughs> <laughs> um although that would be a really cool term to to use oh but, i like uh, scooby gang better yeah no the scooby gang no, I've, um, this, and I've this done is that the first too. it's not it's like it's not a spoiler but it's like you don't want to use the term before the show does you know you want to right, right. let it become the thing when a little more only organic. when the show does yeah 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 um so and it, minor note just that that's sort of the first use of the term and i don't even know when the second use is yeah. and it's not um terribly 
consistent, but it does, they do make more and more reference right. but it's to that, that the Scooby gang. It's self-referential Whedon humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and, of course, he says that to Cordy, who we right. need to talk about next. Um, who she don't protest too much, I think. I think secretly she <laughs> wants to be in the Scooby gang. I'm with Xander. Yeah. I, I mean, we've already seen... Um, in in the last episode, I mean, how she wanted to help with Giles, right? She was, well, what can I do? Yeah. I, I care about Giles, yeah. so I, yeah, I think I think she's, you, you know, I think she, I mean, she's already kind of part of the group. I oh, mean, she's yeah. been through a lot with them, <laughs> yeah. but but it's funny because she keeps working at trying to make them feel like outsiders, and it's like it's flipped right at this point. It's she's really the outsider yeah, um, of of their group. It's it's not. Um, because none of them really want to be part of her group, right? <laughs> none of them really want to be part of her social group at all, and right. and um, yeah. So it's it's an interesting uh, yeah, and I, sort of I, I dynamic. Like this then. little bickery relationship with Z- which Xander and Cordy have got going. It's like a fun, <laughs> it's yeah. a fun little dynamic that they just sort of snap at each other, and that's sort of their their way. Yeah. Well. I like to think of you more as my witless foil, but have it your way. Yes. Um, and uh, she's going to be either a personal shopper or a motivational <laughs> speaker. speaker. Which I like how, like, well, the second time I watched it, then her line about, I aspire to help my fellow man as long as he's not smelly, dirty, or something gross. It's like, well, that's motivational speaker <laughs> yeah. and personal shopper in the same sentence. Like, that's pretty much, she nailed it. Like, she wants to help people, but only the good-looking ones. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually uh, is, like, a pretty good distillation of those two jobs, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she's a sucker for free cosmetics. Oh, the worm oh. guy. The worm. Yeah. The worm. I feel like in Buffy speak, I didn't know what to call him, so I called him the wormy guy. He's going to Yeah, get I don't. It. I, I, I'm, I would assume he has a name. I haven't. I didn't look it up. I just. So I, 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 I just. I don't know if we're going to segue into the order of Taraka and mythological stuff here real we quick, probably but, should. um, yeah, I sort of, so I, I tend to order them, um, in the way, in the order that we first see them. So That's first it's the I ugly, too, yeah. yeah. So I, I have ugly dude. <laughs> I, I had cosmetics guy, but worm guy is better. I, I like worm guy. And, um, well, and I knew Kendra's name, so <laughs> I called her Kendra, but, um, yeah. So these are the three. Uh, who have come to kill Buffy. Or are they? Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, I think we're pretty clear on the two first guy. Two of them are, yeah. <laughs> at, at, at least the first two are. Yeah, um, yeah. I called the ugly guy, I called him Scarface. Ah, uh, oh, nice, yeah. nice. Um, you have a much better way with naming <laughs> villains than I do, apparently. Um, well, and we yeah. don't have to worry about him too much because he got no. his throat slit by Buffy's skate, which was pretty badass, I have to say. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, um, and then cosmetics guy, so he or or worm guy, he uh, sets up in the house next door. Oh, I think he was the scariest. Like to Buffy, that's yeah. Like, Once ugh. you realize what's going on there, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. that that whole scene where you have. Um, Giles' voiceover, and you're seeing the worms kind of yeah. coalescing into his arm or whatever. And coming, like, you kind of get the sense of the body there, but you don't really see what's happening. You know, you just kind of, you know that if you really saw it, it would be, like, 
nasty. Yeah. Yeah. And he's um, just quietly sipping his tea and being patient and waiting and ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and, and sort of gives that whole uh you know, the credence to the this the sort of the urban uh legend of or not legend, but like sort of the you know, oh he he was so nice, we never suspected right, he would yeah. be, you know, a serial killer. Or we never suspected he would be a supernatural worm guy. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, that, that whole that whole thing. Um, and he looks just pathetic enough to actually be, you know, a door-to-door salesman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which we don't, which have pretty much been eliminated by the internet at this point. Right. But, um, you know, at least in the late 90s, I guess there were still some of those. I'm trying to wrap. like, I don't even remember that there were that many then. I would then, think but so, yeah, probably. I, but... I, I'm sure there still were. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, so, yes, yeah, so there, those are two of them. And then Kendra. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Who, Is she one? right? So we're kind of led to believe that she's the third tarot card, that she's the mm-hmm. leopard, I guess. The one was like kind of a big sort of bullish demon, which I assume goes with the scarred guy. And then there's the yeah. worm. That's pretty obvious. That goes with the mm-hmm. worm guy. And then um, the third is that leopard, which, you know, you get this kind of African looking and very sleek and kind of feminine and feline. She seems to go with you know, the jungle cat that makes a sort of sense. But then I don't know. Now I'm wondering, cause she says at the end that she is the vampire slayer, uh, mm. the one. Um, and if we are to believe her, uh, then that makes me wonder whether there's a spot open in this order of Taraka. Um, maybe there's, if she's not actually here to assassinate Buffy, if she's here to slay vampires, um, then does that mean there's another assassin which is unaccounted for um, out there on its way? So yeah, uh, yeah. That's what that's what I'm wondering at the end. Um, it's those are all great questions, and I I mean obviously it's a cliffhanger, so I you can't, can't tell reveal. Yet. I mean I could, but you no, know. that would not be um, good. That wouldn't be fun. Don't want so, you to do that anyway. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah, no. It, I'd be very like, is it is she just trying to throw Buffy off because she knows Buffy's the Vampire Slayer? So is she just saying no? I am to kind of get an edge over her mm-hmm. and make Buffy question herself, or. Is there something more legitimate yeah, going and, on? Yeah, and that's, or, that's you know. a possibility. I I doubt that mostly because of what I actually thought when they revealed that at the end, when she says that she's the vampire slayer. I I definitely didn't see that coming. Like that was a twist that I didn't predict. But mm-hmm. once they once she said it, and how would you? And how would you? <laughs> yeah, because Buffy's been saying every twenty minutes, you know, that there can only be one and. We have no Suddenly reason to disbelieve her, but um, someone claiming to yeah, be another. But, um, yeah. As soon as she said that, I thought, "Oh, it was so obvious. I should have seen it." The way they have her, the way they design the character, she is like another Buffy. You know, she is kind of the same age. She dresses sort of similarly. She's like, you know, clearly very athletic and very good at sort of. She stows away in the plane, so she's got these sort of. Um, physical skills she you know her fighting style is very similar to Buffy's and of course she shows up in the bar and takes down Angel so we've seen her 
you know, fighting. Oh, and yeah, we didn't even talk about Angel fighting and, and his predicament. Fighting and vampires, you know, that she beat him up and left him there to get disintegrated by the sun. So mm -hmm. um, once she says, I'm the vampire slayer, you kind of go, well, obviously, because she's done pretty much everything that Buffy does. Like, you know, they're pretty much like leading you down that path very subtly. So mm -hmm. that makes me, um, I think that indicates to me that probably she's telling the truth or at least believes that she's telling the truth. Um, yeah. Which would mean that there is, you know, this potentially this third slot open. Um, so that's what I'm going to put my money on for this week. Yeah. Um, and I think that is because of like the similarities to Buffy. Like I think that's what really sells it is the fact that they are kind of mirror images of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, good hypothesis. <laughs> I won't say one way or the other. Um, I will say the accent is terrible though. <laughs> um, and, and acknowledge idly. So, um, yeah, apparently the Jamaican accent or quasi-Jamaican yeah. accent was, was sort of added at the last minute and mm -hmm. nobody, um, including Bianca Lawson, who, who plays Kendra, um, is really happy with it. Uh, so it's just one of... I didn't, I didn't notice its badness, but she only had one line. So maybe I'll notice that more next yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it's it's... She does speak more. I mean, they pretty much start up with the two of them in the next episode. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, there's some more banter. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if I keep talking, I'm going to give something away. So <laughs> I probably should just like be quiet at this point. Um, anything anyway. else while we're, we're out well, of time. Just, Is there anything else we need to mention before we, so just, I mean, we've got, you know, several characters in dire predicaments. Yeah. We've got Buffy and Kendra. We've got Angel and the east-facing window. We've got um, Cordelia and possibly Xander. Um, being in, devoured in, by worms. And, uh, yeah, being, you know, by one of these Order of Taraka folks who are apparently have no earthly desires except to collect their bounty and to sow discord and kill the unwary, which <laughs> Cordelia and Xander are probably the most unwary of the unwary. Yeah, so, um, I, you know, there's not a lot of hope for them, perhaps. We didn't talk at all about Duloc, but I think we can maybe talk a little bit about him next time okay. once we, you know, maybe even just to set up kind of where where things go um, with Spike and Drusilla, who we also didn't really talk about. Yeah. So maybe we can we can address that next week but uh um one final thought though yeah. is we 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 did identify one really cool connection between these two episodes <laughs> yeah. and and you actually identified it so i'm gonna go ahead and throw it to you it's to, cool it's just so weirdly it's specific just, <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying i think that's cool yeah but it is. anyway so go ahead well in the first i didn't even get this until like my second viewing but in the first scene in Doctor Who when it's Magpie in the shop and before she becomes the wire it's just the BBC presenter signing off for the night and she mentioned that the name of the program is the What's My Line program 
And I'm just listening, and I'm like, what? Like, of all the things, like, that is just so weird. So, I don't know. Yeah. Man, these yeah. connections. Well, and that's... We keep right, thinking that's that they're the over, episode... and that one is just strange, but... Yeah, that that's the, the, the episode name for this, and next week, yeah. for part one and part two. And and the and we get the... the we get the eponymous line in this episode. Uh, Buffy says to Giles, it's a whole week of what's my line. Only I don't get to play. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's this, again, going back to the idea of the career and everything that there's just not, you know, there's, there's other people kind of doing all this cool stuff and thinking about their future and, and she doesn't and, get to do that. And I want to say my other, so my, my one big question is, uh, who's this other bounty hunter if there is one um, my second biggest question would be what implications does there being another slayer have on this whole yeah. idea of Buffy's vocation and her career because mm. if I am going to put money on something else it's that this makes Buffy if this is confirmed to be a legitimate thing um, and not just like a ruse or something but does that make Buffy, does that give Buffy a loophole in terms of her, I, you know, I have to do this, it's my duty, I have no other choice. Well, if if there's someone else who can do this, maybe Buffy doesn't have to do this. Maybe that yeah. makes her question whether this really is her duty. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and, and there's other questions just even, so if there is another vamp, uh, vampire slayer, is there more than just one right, other yeah. vampire slayer? Like, right. you know, are there right. are there right. others out there? We've been told there? there can only be one. Well, if there can be two, why can't there be two hundred? You know, like yeah, yeah. I guess what will what we need to know is how can there be two? Under what circumstances could there be two? You know, mm. um, yeah, that's a good question. So, good question. We might get answers to that. Okay. We might not. Okay. I don't know. It's all up in the air. I'm just trying. I'm just like, I'm throwing chaff in the wind. And I'm like, all right. Well, we've probably hit our maximum time here. We should yeah. probably go. And then we shall go. All right. Thank you all for listening and have a good week. All right. Good night.